everyone, and welcome back to the Not Your Average Girl podcast. It's Jess and Sarah. And today we have a little bit of a heavier topic. Um, we're going to be talking about gut feelings and our experience with them, what they feel like, how to deal with them, how to identify them, um, and all you know the lovely things that come along with it. So we have a lot to talk about today. So we're just going to get right into it. Um, I've already spent the day or the last 15 minutes catching up with Sarah, so we don't <laughs> need to do that. But yeah, we just want to get right into this because we have a lot to talk about. And this is something that we're both really passionate about. So buckle up. Ugh. We're gonna, it's gonna be rough. It's gonna be a bumpy ride. I might cry. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Jess and I, our conversations always come back to our gut feelings and some like regrets that we have around times when we didn't listen to our gut feelings. And, you know, just being a little bit older now and having a little perspective on what a positive gut feeling is. Um, we thought this was a really important topic for us because it seems that all of our life struggles really come down to this one thing. And we always end up on this topic of conversation. So, I mean, we kind of want to tell you some mistakes that we made that have taught us these really hard lessons. Um, both of us have spent a lot of time in relationships ignoring the gut feeling that is kind of there all along. Mm -hmm. um, I know you guys know that Jess blew up her life <laughs> pretty recently. Um, mm -hmm. And that's that was, um, I know for her, I think, right, for you, that was a yeah. long, a long haul. Yeah, of, there was many, many years of ignoring some pretty visceral gut feelings. <laughs> so, yeah. Like what? I think for me, um, I just want to preface this by saying that this is my half of the story and I'm not claiming to be perfect. Um, I'm not meaning to talk ill of the other person on the other side of this relationship. This is just my shit and mm -hmm. my side of things. Yeah. Um, there was other elements going on, but this was also a major element. So, um, I... I think several years into the beginning of my relationship, the relationship lasted about five and a half years. And I think about two years in, um, I started to just get this inkling that like something wasn't quite right. Um, there were certain dynamics in the relationship that didn't sit well with me. And I, tr I, I did bury them and they started out smaller. Um, and easier to ignore for sure. Um, and I think as the relationship went on, um, I would make excuses and say, um, it'll get better when this happens, or I won't feel this way when this happens. And it kind of just perpetuates and perpetuates. Um, and it's also that idea of, we're going to talk about this later, having anxiety and not being able to distinguish anxious thoughts and uh, running away brain from genuine gut feelings that are actually trying to tell you something's wrong. So I really, really struggle with that. Um, 
So I think for three years, I had some growing and mounting gut feelings and they would ebb and flow. Like sometimes I'd be able to handle them and kind of put them in their place and shovel them away. And then other times they would be so overwhelming that I would cry to my ex begging for things to change because I was just like, I can't do this anymore. It's so overwhelming for me. Um, neither of which are healthy <laughs> reactions. Um, and I think eventually the gut for me, the gut feeling grew so strong that I could hardly even function. I, it would creep into my thoughts. It was like this invasive disease that was rotting everything in my brain. Like I couldn't go a day without these thoughts creeping in this sick gut feeling that something was wrong, that I need to do something about it. And I even, I know, and then I think at that point, I kind of realized that something was really wrong and it wasn't right anymore, but mm. it still was quite a bit after that before I had the courage to act on it because mm -hmm. it's very easy to say it's fine or nobody's perfect, which we're also going to talk about. Um, yeah, eventually I did obviously act on it, but it, it took me, oh, it took me way longer than it should have. Yeah. I think it's really interesting what you said about it kind of rotting you, you, like your your thoughts and your your brain because I honestly haven't even told you this you're gonna hear this for the first time like live on podcast but <laughs> there was quite a long time where I felt like the just that I knew was gone yeah and I personally attributed that to you know just where we were at in life like you were now working in your field you were paying rent like everything was different we weren't kids anymore mm -hmm. and so i just assumed you kind of grew out of this and i don't mean this in a mean or negative way even but this bubbly bright goofball personality like i had assumed that you kind of grew out of it and i loved you nonetheless mm -hmm. but what i think is absolutely crazy is that now that you acknowledge the gut feeling you had and you've moved past it you're that person again i know and it i really think you're right that it really rotted like more than you may have even known at the time mm -hmm. because I, I i generally feel like i have this person back that i haven't seen in years and it's so odd it's so i mean it's it shows you how sincerely powerful having negative gut feelings and emotions in a relationship can be. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's not even like my relationship, obviously it wasn't abusive. Like it, no. it wasn't even toxic. I would say no, he was a nice guy. Oh, he's a wonderful human being. And I don't think we're meant to be together, but it's, you know, we both were fake. We both had our faults for sure. Um, me and him, but he's a wonderful human being. So it's not about that, but it is amazing how that, that feeling just eats away at you. Mm -hmm. And I felt that, like I felt myself shrinking down and down. And yeah, I didn't know who I was anymore. And it's confusing. Mm -hmm. And I think I eventually just got so tired of feeling so blah. Yeah. I mean, I had a really similar experience. I was younger, but I was also in a really serious relationship. And right from the get-go, like, I think you had a bit of a different experience in that you wrote it out for quite a long time before 
before that crept in. But right from the get-go, in my relationship, I think I think it was 19 or 20 at the time, it was within a couple months that I knew that that person wasn't giving me the type of love that like I needed um, to feel loved. Yeah. And the conversations about that started right off the bat. Um, but whatever it was, I think three and a half years later, something along those lines, we were living together. Um, it's funny we, how you just keep on going, even though something in your brain's like, nope, nope. You're like, yeah. I'm just going to keep getting myself deeper. Yeah. Well, Sounds like a good idea. I did the same thing too. Because it's, it's possible to love someone and not be right for each other. Yeah. And I think that that's something it, that's hard to, to know. And that's the other thing Especially about that. Especially when you're young. Yeah. I yeah. I mean. You lack that perspective, I think, to really grasp that yeah. that's a weird dichotomy right yeah absolutely i mean what really resonated with me and i think this is a symptom or at least a hint that you're having a gut feeling not just a fear or a doubt is that begging the sitting with your significant other and begging them for what you need you you resort to this actual desperate plead yeah. as if maybe if I just absolutely break down and beg you, you will understand how important this is to me. Mm -hmm. But the flip side of that is you're not acknowledging how important it is to yourself. You're, you're asking that yeah. person to acknowledge it, but you know that they're not, but yeah. you're not acknowledging that it's so important to you that you sh you need, you need to walk away. Exactly. Like you're, you're so willing to try anything except for walking away and admitting that it's wrong. Right. Yeah. Like that's how it was for me too. Same thing. The cycle, every couple of months I get so pent up and then I just explode and cry and beg and say, I can't do this anymore. And then it would just be this endless cycle of doing that. Like a couple months explosion, a couple months explosion. I did this for years. Mm -hmm. That's just not good for anybody. Right. And it's like, I, how can I not, and yet I still have those feelings saying this can be worked on. This can work. You know, you're, you're just overthinking. You're just hard to please. Mm -hmm. Well, and that brings us to the question that I think you and I both had, which is how many, how many times do you give someone a chance before your gut feeling is proved right and i don't mean like it's on them i just mean how many times do you tell yourself let's just wait it out and see if you can feel better let's wait it out and see if this changes how many times mm -hmm. do you say well let's try this yeah before yeah like how like i don't think i have an answer for that i think it really depends on the person and i back then was in a weirder place because I don't think I trusted myself emotionally as much. Like mm -hmm. now I feel very empowered and in touch with how I feel. Like I know if something's wrong, I have the confidence to identify in my brain when something feels wrong to me. Mm -hmm. But back then I didn't have that confidence. So I think I needed more time to come to terms with that feeling. Right. I, I personally, I think it really varies for everyone, but when I really knew, like when I really knew I couldn't, I really actually couldn't just keep going on this endless cycle was when the thought would just always creep back in. No matter how many times I tried to bury it, like 
I'd be like commuting to work and my mind would wander. And then all of a sudden I'd realize I was thinking about that. My stomach would just feel sick. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's where my brain always went. When I let my brain wander, it was always there. And a feeling of extreme resentment. Mm -hmm. Well, can we talk about that then? Because I know that one of the things that was a big factor for us was that decision to finally listen to it. And then after deciding that, you know, your gut feeling is right, actually then working up the courage to do what your gut feeling is telling you to do. Like what, I mean, I remember because it wasn't all that long ago, our conversation that led into the end of your relationship. And I remember looking at you and you were teary eyed. I was so messed up that night. Shaking. You were, you were not even yourself. You were like this confused, but terrified, but also somehow in a weird way empowered. And it was just, I was something I've never seen from you before. And like, I don't know, what was that like when you had to admit it? The couple weeks like leading up to that day were traumatizing for me. Mm Mm-hmm. I've already talked on the podcast about how I'm a perpetual people pleaser. Like yeah. I have a very difficult time with that. And I knew that this would not only break his heart, but also put him in a bad position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That day when I asked you to come over to talk to you, I've never been more scared, but at that point I was very sure of what I had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like a finality to it and I knew that I, I knew that I couldn't keep doing this. And I even remember that day you told me, you told me that you missed the old me that night. And I remember I lost my shit when you said that to me, like that just pushed me over the edge because I had felt so lost for so long. Um, I didn't even know if I was going to be able to like find my way back to who I was to be honest, because you get so confused about who you are versus like the boundary of the person that you're in a relationship with. It gets pretty muddled. Honestly, it took me years to get to that place. And I, I don't even, I just, I just think it was just getting so tired of feeling like I was punishing myself with these thoughts. And honestly, therapy was huge, huge. Like I went into therapy with the intention of trying to fix myself so I could be better in the relationship and stop being so negative because that's <laughs> again, denial, right? Mm-hmm. My therapist, I remember she said something to me. She said, if you changed all those things that you want him to change, there's still a chance that you might not love him after that. She's like, do you think you will? Mm. And I think I realized like, I've never been that happy. Like in the beginning I was for Mm -hmm. sure. It's not like it was bad at the beginning, but I think I kind of realized like, no, it's not about those little things. Yes. Those little things are wrong, but it's not necessarily about all those little things because when you have a gut feeling and you're trying to deny it, you will choose more. You will choose vanity things to pin that anxiety onto like -hmm. the fact that he doesn't pick up his socks. Right. Obviously that annoys you, but that becomes a symbol for all the rage and 
awful feelings that you have inside you. You attach it to more literal, simple things because it's easier, at least for me, to focus that into specific things Mm -hmm. when I think at that point I realized, yes, there's these like checklists of things like, oh, I wish you do this. I wish you do this. I'm sure he had them for me. Wish you do this. I wish you do, wish you do this. But that was just hiding a more deeper knowing that it just was wrong all around, which is very hard to, it's not a very tangible thing. It's a very mm-hmm. difficult thing to identify. It's also a very easy thing to explain away and say, I'm crazy or I'm, I'm, I have anxiety or I'm depressed or yeah, it's just confusing. So I, I think I, when I realized that all those little things that I thought it was, it wasn't those little things. It was a much bigger thing that couldn't be changed by begging him to change because he's who he is. And why shouldn't he be the person that he is? Mm-hmm. He shouldn't have to change for me. I was trying to change him. Yeah. That's not fair. No. And no. I regret that. I deeply regret that. I was trying to change him. Because I did love him and I wanted him to be my person so badly. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm kind of realizing through this that your experience, even though it's similar to mine, because of our personality differences, it's it's different. And that's because while you are more likely to suppress emotions, I physically cannot. <laughs> uh, no expression suits me more than wearing my heart on my sleeve because I, I just can't, I can't do anything else. I mean, honestly, if I could suppress emotions, I would love to, but I can't. Um, so I was always very aware of the big problems that were going on, but I just, I convinced myself that no matter who it was, big problems would exist. Yeah, I can relate to that. And honestly, the worst it got by the end of the relationship, I was at the point of just acknowledging to myself that no big romantic true love was real. Yes. I just, I just decided it it was easier to decide that I would never find it anywhere than to walk away and look. I told myself that all the time. Yeah. And all the time, the scariest, the literal scariest thing I have ever done was walk away and decide that no, it does exist and I'm not going to settle until I have it. And holy shit, was that ever, I mean, just mortifyingly scary. Mm -hmm. I mean, to then go on and date and have to so many times say, nope, this isn't it. Nope, this isn't it. And continue to tell yourself, no, it still exists. It's so hard because there's this feeling that you're proving yourself, your old self, right. There's feeling that, oh, maybe it really doesn't. Yeah. And then maybe, yeah. Well, I left this person who was good, a good person was great. Yeah. You could have had a pretty good life with, but not an amazing life with. That's what I always say. That's what what you said to me. I, I did. I always said I left somebody who I knew I could have a good life with but I didn't want good. I wanted amazing. I wanted great. And it, that idea of just being okay, staring me in the face all the time is what eventually did me in. But what I'm mad at myself about, and what I'm kind of mad at you about is that we both knew and just let ourselves suffer for so long until 
that feeling was so strong that we had to or we that were going to break. That feeling was so strong for me that it made me sick. Yeah, you were ill. You were physically ill. I was physically ill. Mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't sleep. I broke out. My digestive system was insane. The level of anxiety that I was feeling, I couldn't almost couldn't even function. Mm-hmm. That it was it was really bad. Mm-hmm. That that's another way. That's a to answer your fir- earlier question. That's another way to know. Yeah, like when you when your anxiety because of your relationship is so bad that like you feel sick and you feel like a shadow of yourself every day, something is wrong. That's not, that's a very direct thing that needs to be addressed. And let me preface this by saying, we're not saying that if you, this necessarily means that you dump your boyfriend. Like we're not saying that like go, go dump your boyfriend or go divorce your husband. No. N- not necessarily. But what we're trying, the reason why we want to do this is to, so other people don't ignore their gut feeling for as long as we did. Mm -hmm. And it could be a gut, this, we're talking about this in the context of relationships, but it really could speak to anything in your life. It it could be about a gut feeling knowing that you need to go to therapy or a gut feeling knowing that you need to break off a toxic friendship. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I even think about just in my relationship like there have been moments with Scott where I'm like this isn't sitting right with me but on the flip side what I've done is just say this isn't sitting right with me and then what happens is amazing this man is so willing to always work on our relationship that he just hears me and we work on it together and we move past it and we move through it and it's like it's incredible the things that you can do when you're listening to what your gut is telling you. And I'm not saying that in every case you're going to find like you can just work through it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm in a a great relationship in which like that's something that I personally need, right? I need a man who is always working on our relationship because I'm so hypersensitive that I I have to have that. I can't let things sit. Um, but it's just amazing that because he is the way he is, when I listen to my gut and I just express it right off the bat, these things never grow. They never get bigger. They just get dealt with Mm -hmm. and it's freeing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It really is. You just don't feel trapped by these emotions. You just feel steady and you don't have these doubts creeping in and it's just something I didn't really believe it existed until I found it. I think, yeah, to go back to that, I kind of told myself that too, that because I didn't grow up with parents that were happy. So I haven't had a good example of a happy marriage in my life, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was like, I genuinely thought that everyone hated their spouse. (laughs) Like I was like, like hate our spouse right like (laughs) this is the joke this is the adult joke and it made me really like jaded like I just didn't really believe in love I was just like you know you love the person in the sense that you want to care for them but like you always you know there's like this feeling this perpetual feeling of resentment almost yeah 
I was wrong. <laughs> I obviously I was wrong. Um, my mind has ex- expanded so much in that way. I don't think that anymore. I do, I mean I don't think the relationships are perfect, and you know there's some days where you're just you're like oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna strangle you. Yeah, of course. You're in the laundry bin. Like, that's yeah. fine. That's normal. Yeah. And totally okay. And obviously, bigger things come up, too. And like you said, you need to work through those. But, yeah, after my breakup, I... It's funny. Some people, after a breakup, get really sour towards other couples. I guess because they're, like, jealous or bitter or something. Mm-hmm. I started looking at other couples after my breakup and with a new with a new lens and just being like, oh, my God, you guys are the most amazing couple. I want these parts of relationships. And I started looking at my close friends and their successful long-term relationships and taking bits and pieces and saying, like, this is what I want for myself. Mm -hmm. This can exist. I want this, too. And, like, it was exciting. Like, I actually felt like I had hope again. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I did the same thing. And, I mean, I started to feel like a a dreamer in the sense that I just decided I'm like, and you know that my parents are, are they, they're a great couple, but they're also not like the ideal image of marriage. Like they're not particularly romantic with each other. I think that you can have that. I think you can have even more than what I've seen. And I think the problem is that we've seen so many relationships that just get so complacent or I don't know dull and it's important to like let yourself believe that you can be different I think people make a lot of mistakes I think it's really really common that people don't listen to their gut Mm -hmm. and I think unfortunately now we have these representations of what a relationship looks like and they're all people who've made mistakes and there's very few people that you can look to and go, those are the people that spent the time working through their shit, mm-hmm. saying no, believing that they were eventually going to find someone and really actually fall in love. Yeah. And they did. And they finally got that. And I think making that decision is so hard. It's terrifying because there's that risk that maybe you don't. There is a risk because you're giving up something that's okay for the hope that there's something good. And yeah. we and it's when you're out of it, it's easy to say obviously you're going to find someone who's amazing. But when you're in that relationship and you're in a negative mindset, it's even more scary to think about. Well, I remember thinking, "Oh my god, the idea of just getting the nerve to go on a first date and just getting the nerve to kiss another man was insane. It was terrifying." let alone thinking about being naked in front of somebody new, like that level of vulnerability and the place that I was in mentally, that was just, that probably put me back six months, just that (laughs) idea because it was so scary. And just thinking, you know, I'm not gonna meet someone who I have an intellectual connection with because like that's really important to me. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm not, it's just the, the guy doesn't exist. What, what, why am I going to risk what this is for something that like, there's no way, which is just silly. It's just, there's so many people on this earth. There's so <laughs> many amazing, amazing people on this earth. That's just, it's just not true or factual. Although it, it couldn't feel more true when you're in that yeah, situation. In that, when you're there, it feels impossible. And you know what, as someone, I mean, I think for you, 
you you did a little bit of dating and then you found somebody that you did match. Whereas I did a lot. <laughs> like, because the reality is it isn't easy to find that person or a person. I, I'm not really a believer in the one. Like, Oh, yeah, it's, it's not easy. But it, it takes so much patience and so many tries before you get there. And I think that's as much as it is a long haul, it's worth it. Yeah. And it's also like, who cares? I mean, in the sense that who cares that it's going to take some time and how much fun did I have when I was dating and how much work I did on myself. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. It's like when you're in a relationship, like how could I ever find someone else? And I mean, it matters, but that's not the be all end all either. Oh my gosh. That's, I think what I didn't realize about the breakup process is that the the most magical part of the breakup process isn't finding the new person. Mm -hmm. It's refinding yourself. Or like just getting better, just healing. Yeah. Just like, you know, it's, it's an empowering process. Mm-hmm. You just, you do have to embrace it though. It can, it's painful, but there's like beauty in the pain in a way because yeah. yeah, you, you cry and you laugh and you get drunk and you <laughs> kiss a stupid guy and you look at yourself and you're like, who do I want to be? Like, I can really choose now who I want to be. <laughs> I'm like, I'm getting the vivid, vivid image of when you finally reach the point of feeling free after you kind of did most of the grieving and you and I were hiking and (laughs) we were coming down the hike and we were at the top of a hill and we had been talking about like how empowered we were both feeling and how you felt just so free. Like you just were loving yourself. You were loving being single. You were just loving reconnecting with yourself. And it was literally the moment when I was like, Oh my God, my Jessica is back because you were like, (laughs) you're like, I just feel like I could just do whatever the fuck I want. And I love it. And I said, let's roll down this hill. And you were like, yep. And you just got on the ground. I just did it. You just (laughs) rolled all the way down. There's people all around us. We're in our workout gear. And you just laid down on the ground and rolled down the hill. And I was like, oh, we're doing this. So I got down and I rolled down the hill and we were laughing our faces off. And all these people are looking at these two grown ass women rolling down a hill. I whipped off my fanny pack. Like <laughs> there was no one around and I sat my ass down and rolled pulling holy down the hill. And damn it, it was great. But it really was because it was just this symbol of like, finally, you know, and it wasn't because you met this amazing guy. It was because you saw that you listened to something that was wrong. You fixed the problem and you were just you again. This reminds me of another aspect of like the benefit of listening to your gut feeling is, oh my God, like you just, when you finally respect yourself enough to listen to that gut feeling, it gives you so much confidence. Like, that was, that breakup was easy, easily the scariest thing that I ever did in my life. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was, it, you know, whatever. If you 
there's lots of scary things that happen. For me, that was a very scary thing to do. It was scary in so many different ways. And knowing that I did that, knowing that I prioritized myself and I found the bravery to do something like that has given me so much confidence now. It has made me feel so strong and so resilient. I just, I honestly feel like a different person. I'm not the same person I was in January no. at all. Yeah. I am so different. Mm -hmm. I feel so much more authentic. I feel so much more confident in myself. I don't, I don't care what people think about me. I'm just, I just want to make decisions that are best for me. I'm really focused in on what's important to me, like my family and my friends. Mm -hmm and making my dreams happen. I would have never started this podcast a year ago. No. I would have not had the confidence or the bravery to put myself out there that way. Yeah. But I don't care anymore. I just want to live my life. And I think that is such a beautiful thing. Absolutely. I mean, it's just so freeing. And then I think what happens when you get there, once you've listened and you feel that freedom, that's when you find those people. When you get to that point of freedom is when the people that you are searching for come. Yes. Because they see your confidence, they see you for who you are, you, they see your authenticity, and that's what they're drawn to. They're not drawn to these elements of you that are, I don't know, unstable or changing or, I don't know, they're, they're drawn to the parts of you that are really you. And it's also way easier to meet those people and have those positive gut feelings really easy to read them because you are so in tune with yourself mm -hmm. that you know exactly what is right for you and what is not. And in those moments, it's so easy to meet someone and just say yes or no right off the bat instead of jumping in and hoping it goes well and wondering and, you know, is this anxiety or is there something wrong here? Is this my damage coming through or is there something really wrong? You just kind of, you just kind of know. Yeah. And that's a whole other level of freeing. But I, I keep going back to this thought, which is how do you ever get to that point without, I don't know, just going through it a few times. You know, I, I just think this is a lesson only learned through experience. Because if you had asked me before, I wouldn't have told you that it was a gut feeling. I would have told you it was my anxiety or, you know, I, I was like. So in, how did you distinguish your anxiety from these thoughts? Like if, because I think a lot of people do struggle with anxiety and anxious thoughts. We both do, mm -hmm. which can make it a bit more confusing to to separate the two and and know because you know sometimes you do have anxious thoughts and you think things that you don't really actually believe but your brain can get a little carried away worst case scenario type thing mm -hmm. so how did you kind of i think of, through that eventually for me and i this is a line that i frequently recite it's that i wake up one day and i just know 
Mm-hmm. And I think for me, what that means is that it no longer feels anxious. It just feels factual. Okay. Because anxiety for me is this experience of fear and worry and queasiness and uncomfortable. Whereas when you have a gut feeling, sometimes it's just a fact. Like sometimes you just, you don't feel the queasiness. You don't feel the butterflies. You don't feel scared. You kind of just kind of, you're like, this is what it is. And in that moment, you have to acknowledge that you've just thought it and you weren't anxious. You weren't crying. You weren't, I don't know, connecting to an old boyfriend or something, you know, that might trigger you. You're just sitting there going, this is how it is. And obviously, eventually that turns into a fear and it turns into anxiety because then you think, well, what does that mean? And what's going to happen from here? And that turns into anxiety. But that initial thought, when you start to have it and you're not a deep knowing like that's how I describe it it's just this like deep relentless knowing yeah and I think that it's one of those things that if you close your eyes and wish it wasn't there it's still there yes and for me anxiety if I close my eyes and take a few deep breaths and tell myself like you don't have to feel this way right now it might not fully go away but it'll go it'll settle yeah whereas this is not something it's stuck in your gut well, it's yeah there. That's, that's what i mean by when, when i would be like my mind would wander and yeah. always go there no it's stuck because it was like this my brain is like no 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 yeah what are you doing stop ignoring me yeah whereas yeah you're right i think anxious thoughts can be controlled a little you know everyone knows when you start to have an anxiety attack whatever like you're taught your coping mechanisms you have your breathing methods you have um, like a mantra that you can tell yourself, you, you can go work out and then you're like, okay, like, you know, that thing that I was anxious, like I was blowing out of proportion, like these are the steps that I can take to make myself feel less anxious and control my environment and blah, blah, blah. Whereas like, this is something you can escape from it. It's just going to be there in the back of your head always. Yeah. And the only way for it to quiet is to like, just push it really deep down. Yeah. And as you can imagine, somebody like me who's hypersensitive and can't push emotions down, that meant that I was having fights every single night. I was crying every night. I was begging every night for like at least a year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, when I come back to, why did I do that to myself? All I can say is I'll never do it again. Never again am I going to treat myself that way. You're not doing anyone favors by working against your gut feeling. No. If you have to work that hard to make it work, it's not worth it. No. It's not. You can, you can love that person and decide it's not worth it. Honestly, one of the biggest acts of love that you can do when you're in that kind of toxic environment is to walk away. Honestly, I feel like I want to end at least my part of this input by just saying you can love them, but love yourself more. Yes. You need to come first. Love yourself more. Love yourself enough to acknowledge the pain and that gut feeling and just do what you need to do. And I mean, 
<laughs> we keep coming back to do what you need to do as if it's like the end of a relationship, but that's just our experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think though that it's a it's a shared experience. I think that there's a lot of women who know exactly what we're talking about. Yep. And yeah, I think that it's it's something we all have been through. Listen to it. <laughs> Listen to it. You, we have in our brains are incredible. We are always processing things behind the scenes that we don't realize we're processing. And we, we have, you get a gut feeling for a reason. We have an intuition, whatever you want to call it. You get that sensation or that feeling for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's a very shared thing. We all get it. Yeah. So whatever that leads you to do, just don't ignore it. Give it the respect that it deserves because respecting your gut feeling is, in my opinion, respecting yourself and your true Mm -hmm. emotions. Because a lot of times I think we're processing things on a deeper level, not really in our active brain. Mm -hmm. Not not scientists don't really know what I'm saying here, but I think when we're processing things on a deeper level, it presents itself as the gut feeling. And because we haven't been actively allowing ourselves to think about it kind of in the forefront of our mind, it can be confusing because these gut feelings start coming out and you're like, Oh my God, what? But you listen to them because your brain and your body is trying to tell you something. Right. right? Maybe it's the fact that it's this gut feeling that I need to go to marriage counseling. It might not be blow up your whole life, no. but listen to your gut feeling love yourself enough to listen to your gut feeling and respect yourself enough to listen to your gut feeling because we didn't. (laughs) And yes, we're stronger for it, but we also put ourselves and people in our lives through more than we should have because we blatantly ignored and pushed that feeling down, which is so unhealthy and so wrong. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. If you're listening to this right now and feel a little sick and your mind keeps going to a place. You have one particular thought that keeps coming back. You need to address that in your life. Whatever way is best for you. Even if it's just make saying it out loud or writing it down. Yeah. Don't make excuses for it. Yeah. Just say it for what it is. Yeah. yeah. And you set a boundary. Set a boundary for when the farthest that you're going to allow it to go. And whether the boundary is like a time box or a number of fights or a number of blah, blah, blah. Set those boundaries. This is what my therapist told me. She's like, set the boundary. And respect the boundary. And respect it. When time's up, let's go. Mm -hmm. You got this. I can tell you that it will be, it might be the scariest thing you ever have to do. You might be afraid that you're going to lose your friends and family. This is me speaking from experience. You might be afraid financially how it's going to work. You might share children. You might share a dog. I have shared custody of my dog with my ex. Okay. (laughs) And that was a major thing that made it very difficult for me to do, but we figured it out. We share custody of our dog. I don't know if there's anything more millennial than that, but (laughs) we're doing it. And, but that was something too. We have a dog together. We can't blah, 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 blah. There is a way around anything. 
you're not the first person to go through your situation. I guarantee it. Mm -hmm. Find external support if you need it. If you feel the amount of anxiety that I did, and I think Sarah did, go see a counselor. Don't suffer alone. If you don't feel like you have people in your life that you can open up to, that's okay. And that's understandable. I don't think everyone's blessed with having those dynamics. But, you know, there are, um, if you can afford it or you have coverage, go see a counselor. Um, Talk to your employer if they have worker support. There's a lot of free counseling resources out there. Maybe I'll grab a few and drop them in the description of this podcast. You're not alone, but I know that it can be hard to see where the outlet is. So don't suffer in silence. Don't ignore your gut feeling. Don't do it. It's not worth it. You'll be so much better for it. And you'll come out on the other end and you'll think, what took me so freaking long? Yeah. You'll be rolling down a hill one day and be like, what was I so afraid of? You'll be starting a podcast with your best friend because you don't give a fuck. (laughs) And then you'll meet the human of your dreams and think, I was so stupid. (laughs) But here we are. Well, I think that's, I think we addressed pretty much everything we wanted to talk about there. I think so. All right. So that was a little heavy. We're going to lighten it up. We're about to record another episode and this one's going to be a bit more fun. So don't worry. Next week, we're going to have, we're going to lighten it up a little bit. Um, If you are listening on Spotify, please follow. I can see our analytics and I see all y'all listening, but not following us. Come on, do us a solid follow our podcast, download our episodes. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. We really appreciate it. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, notyouraveragegirl.podcast. Oh, and where can they find our personal Instagrams? Ooh, you can find me, Jess, at Jess R. Stafford. And you can find Sarah at... Sarah, what is it? Sarah.megs. Yeah, Megs. M-A-G-S. If you want to follow up with our, or follow along with our daily shenanigans, photos of my dog. Photos of my dog. (laughs) (laughs) They're both pretty cute, so it's worth a follow. Maybe super cute boyfriend Scott once in a while, if you're lucky. Yeah, I think you posted a topless photo of him before, too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thanks for coming along this journey with us. We made it through. There were some uh, teary eyes, but no no tears fell. And we even did that without wine. Wow. Tea. That was a tea kind of talk. It's a Christmas miracle, everybody. It's a Christmas miracle. It's October. Bye, friends. Bye.